the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So we've been speaking about the uh, book uh, by His Holiness uh, Pope Shenouda III. Um, and actually, for those who are not familiar, just to give you some background, His Holiness has written many, many, many books. And actually, all of his books are very simple, very easy to read. They are very to the point, and they're pretty short as well. So they're, they're very nice. And, and actually, I would recommend... Um, for anyone who's interested to learn about really anything in the Coptic Church uh, about our faith is to look and to find his books. And the other nice thing about them is they're all online. Um, you can download the PDF file uh, pretty much of not all of his books, but most of his books, at least all the well-known books, um, and to read them. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great blessing to have all of his books. All, most of his books are based on lecture series that he has given uh, in the past, and it's, um, it's very good. So we've been speaking about this book, The Diabolic Wars, um, focusing on the um, attacks of the enemy, the attacks of, of Satan, and being aware of his attacks and how is it that he attacks us. Because when we are aware of how he attacks, how he tempts um, God's children, then we are better capable of being able to respond, being able to resist, being aware kind of of the traps that maybe are set for us. And so we've been speaking about in this part of the book, the intrigues of the devil, meaning the, the ways that the devil um, tries to tempt us um, and, and to, to, to lead us um, astray and to cause us to sin. Um, so we'll just uh, continue where we left off. So number 14 was uh, shaking principles and values. Okay, so this is like um, a, a mental war where the devil wants us to to consider that all the things that we have been taught, all the things that we believe, all the things that we know, are there's fun something fundamentally wrong with them. And maybe there's been something wrong with them all along and that we never realized it before. But now we have reached kind of a, a stage of enlightenment where it has now been revealed to us that what is it that we have believed all along? There's something wrong with it and, and actually we should revise and correct and, and, and maybe reevaluate our faith and what it is that we are doing. And so in this war, he tries to destroy all of the values and the routines and the traditions and things that we have kind of been built up with um, and, and, and to make us reconsider everything. And, and this, is, this is dangerous because, you know, in our society, we, we have this mentality that um, the future is better than the past. You know, like the new is better than the old. And when you think about technology, because of course technology is like a big part of our society and a big part of our daily lives, this is true. You know, like the technology that comes out this year is better than the technology that existed last year, okay? Of course there's downsides to technology as well, but that's not the, what I'm trying to discuss. But technology keeps getting better. And so we have this uh, thinking, this mentality that, that as we progress as a society, things are getting better and better and better. And we're trying to be more socially aware. We're trying to be uh, more efficient. We're trying to work better. We're trying to have better and better means of communication and so on. And so while there is a lot of improvements that happen in, in technology, it is not the case that everything that is new is better than everything that was old. And it's not the case that everything's old is outdated, irrelevant, useless, um, that, that can be superseded by something that's better. It's not the case that somehow in the 21st century now, in our year, that we have a better understanding of the human condition than, for instance, in biblical times, right? And anyone who really reads the scripture, and especially, I think, 
um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's very clear that all the same fundamental problems that human beings have dealt with throughout um, history is the same. You know, we, we, we are really not any different. From the outside, we look different in a sense, like culturally, we have differences. And I said technologically, there are differences. But the human being is the same. The passions of the human being, the desires of the human being, the conflicts that happen between human beings, the desire for purpose, um, the, the, the feelings that we have about, you know, whether it be happiness or shame or, or um, the, 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 the temptations that the devil wa wages against us are actually all the same. So, so when we read the Bible, we don't read it as a document that's outdated, that somehow nowadays we've come up with a new Bible, you know, that nowadays we have the solutions to all of these problems that somehow at the time they didn't have. Actually, it's the opposite. The more you read it, the more you realize that all the fundamental major problems that we have nowadays, even in our society, are, are were problems that existed back then, and there were problems that are addressed by the scripture. So one of the things that the devil tries to do to attack us and to attack the church is he comes and says, you know, your, your church is uh, it's outdated and it's old fashioned. And the things that are preached, the things that are taught, they don't really apply to the modern time. They don't really engage with the modern time. You have to rechange everything. OK, there is a difference between um, what we would call rituals and rites um, versus the core dogma of the church. Okay, so for instance, rituals are the means by which we choose to worship God, right? So for instance, in our church, we have three liturgies that we can pray, the St. Basil, St. Gregory, and St. Cyril liturgy. Um, we have, in each of those liturgies, we have certain rites, you know, uh, the priest goes around, does certain movements, certain prayers are said, and so on and so on. These are rites, okay? Human beings came up with this system. In the sense that human beings came up with the hymns, human beings came up with the, the way that we, that we preach or, or that, we, that we pray and so on in the church and so on, okay? Rituals can change, right? Someone can come and say, well, we, we choose to worship God using a different set of words or using a different set of movements or a different set of prayers, right? Other Orthodox churches, like the Eritrean Orthodox, for instance, they have a completely different set of liturgies, right? Like in the Eritrean Orthodox Church, they have 14 different liturgies, right? We only have three, right? There's nothing wrong with worshiping God in different ways, okay, in that sense. But there are core dogma and core doctrine, okay, which is the truth, which doesn't change, okay? And that's really where the problem begins, where the, where the problem happens. If we want to um, say, well, let's revise some parts of the liturgy, Let's do this and that. Okay, we can talk about that. I mean, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. But if we say, okay, now we want to say, well, no, uh, actually, um, all of this stuff where you're finding in, in, in society, for instance, related to sexual identity and transgenderism and so on. Somebody wants to come and say, no, actually, this is biblical. And we're going to go back and try to find verses from the Bible that support it. Um, or... We just say, well, you know, and some people do this, say, well, you know, God is a merciful. So God is going to, uh, you know, pretty much accept anything that a human being, you know, that's important to them. God is going to accept it. I identify as such and such. So God is going to accept it because this is so important to me and this is what I choose and this is how I feel. You know, some people come with this mentality when they try to reconcile religion, especially a religion based on absolute truth, kind of like Christianity, 
and all of the things we're finding in our culture um, nowadays, okay? So, so, so this is a temptation, okay? This is one of the wars that the devil fights against us. He comes and he says, is it really the case that the church has had the right belief system, um, that the dogma that we have accepted is really the correct one? Maybe we are more enlightened now more than we were before. We are exposed to more things and we have more understanding and we have more scientific understanding. And so here, let me show you the research. Let me show you the, the, the explanations. Let me show you this and this. And then you have you know, these people who we call experts, okay? And these experts, they come in and they present a case based on their view, their, pers their, their perspective, their uh, research about a specific topic and so on. Sometimes when people are faced with this research, it shakes them. It makes them like, well, you are telling me that fundamentally there's something about my faith that's wrong. You are telling me that there is something that is right, that is contradicting Christianity, and so there is this conflict, and I don't know how to resolve the conflict. And this is why you have people who sometimes they will leave the church. They will change their faith. They will feel shaken by this new evidence that is being provided that conflicts with what they already believe. And because they believe that this evidence is true, um, then obviously then the church can't be true because what the church is saying is, is different. But the question here is, okay, is it really true? Is it really true? Or is it just presented in a way that makes it sound true, right? There was always going to be experts and people who come that try to push a certain mentality, a certain philosophy, a certain ideal that they are trying to push on everyone else. The question is, is, is it really the case? And this is where, you know, faith and understanding come together. There is definitely, uh, uh, we rely on reason and understanding and the church in many things, okay? But there are some things where we just maybe don't have a, a clear answer for, right? Like, for instance, something like creation. The Bible presents a certain view of creation, okay? And while we don't believe that the account of the creation is a literal one, in the sense that we don't believe that it was actually six days, for instance, but we believe that everything that the Bible is presenting is what happened. Like we believe that there is a person named Adam and a person named Eve. We believe that they were the first two human beings. We believe that God was with them in the Garden of Eden and they lived there. We believe that there was a fall and that the fall resulted in the fall of all of nature and the ejection of the human beings from this paradise. And we believe that everything that the, that the, that the story says is true, okay? Um, for instance, another story like the story of Jonah, okay? Is it really the case that Jonah was swallowed by a, by a very large fish? And there's all kinds of scientific problems with that. Like, how is it that a person is going to live for three days and survive inside of a fish? Is there any case where we know of that such a thing happened? You know? And so you begin to have these, again, based on a more modern understanding of what is possible scientifically. And you begin to question, okay, is this really, like, how is this, does it even make sense? And, and, and what does it mean if it is not the case? Okay, if it is not the case that... Jonah really was swallowed, or that there really was a person named Adam and Eve, then don't we begin to doubt everything that we believe in the scripture, everything that God has said, we begin to doubt it. Because like, if, if this was wrong, or if, uh, you know, then, then everything could be wrong. You know? And actually, the story of, of Jonah, for instance, you know, it's even said in the New Testament. Christ even spoke about the story of Jonah. And he said that just as Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, so also the Son of Man will be in the earth. Right? 
So the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we believe is God, is referring to the story of Jonah as a fact, right? So if the story of Jonah itself, if there is um, doubt about it, then that places doubt on the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is using that story as a, as a, as a historical fact. And then everything begins to break apart, okay? So part of our problem, okay, is in, you know, in our society, we try to find definitive answers for everything. You know, if you come and ask me, well, how do you explain how a person could be in the belly of the whale or in the belly of the fish? I don't know. I, I, like, I don't know how that can happen, right? But which, what do I place more faith in? Do I place faith in the fact that if God chooses to do it, he can, even though I don't understand the mechanism by which it happens? Or do I place more faith in my scientific understanding of the world? Okay, certainly the idea that a person could be swallowed by a fish is not common. Maybe we've never heard of it at any other time. Okay, or that there is a flood that floods the entire earth or how that would happen. We don't hear about that at any other time, right? Um, but when you think about what is it that Christ did, which is to resurrect, okay? If you can believe that the resurrection is true, which is scientifically impossible, obviously, then we have to believe that everything else is true, right? Because if you, if you believe that, the, that, that, that Christ resurrected and without the resurrection, without the truth of the resurrection, then there is no Christianity. Then everything we're doing is futile, okay? And, and St. Paul himself said the same in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, if Christ is not resurrected, then your faith is useless, right? And we are still on our sins, and we have no salvation, and everything we're doing here doesn't matter. So if the fundamental core and foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Christ, which is, has no scientific basis, no scientific understanding, no way of explaining it other than completely supernatural act, okay, then... Why can't I believe everything else that God revealed to us in his scripture and say, you know what, even though I don't understand it, I believe, right? So every person is like presented with these two things. There is something that we are called to believe by faith, even though maybe it's hard scientifically to explain or impossible to explain. And then there's the reason and the logic. And I'm not trying to say that they're in conflict, okay? Because the, uh, the faith that we proclaim is a reasonable faith. But there are some things that go beyond reason, some things that go beyond the human reason, beyond the human normal daily experiences that we have, and that those specific actions, those specific events are necessary for our faith, like the incarnation, like the resurrection, like the story of Jonah, like the creation, like all of these things, okay? So when society comes and, and presents us with a picture that says, you know, the faith that you guys proclaim is, is meaningless. And he, let me explain to you why. One, two, three, four, five, all these things can't happen and so on. It is up to us then to, 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 to choose. What do I place more faith in? Do I place more faith in the scientific understanding of the day, which also can change? Or do I place faith in what God has said? Okay? And that is something very fundamental for our faith. It's to say, I believe that the scripture is above me. I believe that the scripture, I am not judging the scripture. The scripture is judging me, right? I am placing myself in submission and obedience to what God has revealed and God has said, and that this is the word of God, not that I am coming, looking down at the scripture, like with a microscope, studying it, and then determining what is true and what is false in it. 
Because if I take that mentality, then I can pretty much cancel anything that I want, right? Anything that I want, I can find a reason and an excuse to say, you know, this is not authentic, this is not real, this doesn't make any sense, so it didn't happen, I don't believe it, I'm not going to live my life according to those principles. And as I said, when you begin to do it in one thing, everything begins to unravel because the Bible is built on each other. Everything is built and connected to everything else. When you begin to like pull one string over here, the whole thing falls apart, okay? This is one of the very strong modern-day temptations that we experience, and especially youth, when you go to university, okay, and you are bombarded with all of these ideas, okay, that are contrary to the Christian faith, and it is presented to you as though this is the facts, this is the truth, this is the, the uncontrovertible knowledge that we now have as an enlightened society, and if you believe contrary to this, then you are a fool, right? Then you are ignorant, then you are delusional, and what you believe is nonsense. This is how it is presented, okay? This is how it is presented. And so then it is up to us to be very confident and comfortable with what we believe, so that even though people maybe are coming to me with all of these other ideas, right? My faith is not shaken. And this is this temptation, shaking principles and values for many, many different reasons, but a big, a big one has to do with our, our, our culture, our society, um, uh, what, what we are being told is true, right, compared to um, what is it that we believe. Yes. So the question is, is how do we discern between um, the, the times where, uh, because our because we believe that our faith is a reasonable faith, um, that we should test to make sure that something is true versus just kind of accepting it blindly? Is that kind of the question? Yes. Okay, very good. So a big part of this has to do with what is the source of authority? What is the source of authority? Meaning, where do we get what is reasonable? Okay? Many things about our faith is reasonable. Okay? But there are some things that go beyond our reason. So, like, in the book of Acts, it speaks about, like, a, a group of people called the Bereans. The Bereans, once they heard the preaching of St. Paul, it says they searched in the Scripture daily to find out whether these things were true. Right? They didn't just hear the preaching of St. Paul and say, okay, you know, some people heard what St. Paul said and they rejected it outright. Maybe some people heard what St. Paul said and they just believed it blindly without even thinking, right? But this group, the Bereans, what did they do? It said they searched the scripture because they, as Jewish people, right, they believed in the Old Testament. And so when St. Paul comes and he's preaching to the Jewish people and he talks to them about, here are all of the prophecies in the Old Testament that speak about Christ, okay? And when the other apostles did the same, any reasonable-minded Jewish person would say, well, let me see, okay? Let me study those prophecies. And is it really the case that all of these prophecies are pointing to someone who is fulfilling them, right? And actually, like, people did studies about, 
you know, the number of prophecies there were in the Old Testament and how much, how, how, how like improbable it would have been, been for one person to fulfill all of those probability, uh, all those prophecies. And they did all this mathematical calculations. But um, the, the point is, is we are never called to be blind in our faith, right? The word to be blind in our faith is kind of like to accept something without any understanding. What I am supposed to do is I take a new idea and I test it according to what my faith is. I should also be, you know, um, as a general principle, willing to change some incorrect belief that I might have, right? But I shouldn't be so quick to say, oh, well, something was presented, it's contrary, or it appears contrary to what I believe, and so that means I'm going to cancel what I believe, right? So just as those Bereans did, right, the, s the source of authority that I'm speaking about is what do we believe the Bible is? If I believe that the Bible is the word of God, then nothing can trump it, right? If somebody comes to me and, and presents some whatever scientific theory about whatever it is that contradicts the word of God, if I truly have faith and believe this is the word of God, well, God's revelation is true without qualification. Whereas human beings research, human beings understanding, human beings bias, human beings, you know, whatever, can all contribute to incorrect perceptions of truth in the world. So when, when someone is presenting something to me as true, that person who is presenting it to me, they, it might be flawed in some way, or there might be a misunderstanding in some way. Or whatever it is that the scriptural understanding of something, right, is in somehow it is um, compatible with it, but in a way I don't understand, right? So, again, it goes to the source of authority. If, my, um, if I believe that, this, that the culture and the current understanding of the day is the highest source of authority, then I will go to it, even when I think it contradicts the Bible, and I would say, well, the Bible is wrong. But if I think that the Bible is the highest source of authority, then if there's a contradiction, then I will say, no, science is wrong. Okay? But a lot of times, neither one is wrong. And a lot of the times there is some compatibility between it, right? But maybe people are not are not understanding what that compatibility is or the nature of that compatibility. Does that answer your question? Okay. Any other questions so far? Okay. The fifteenth point uh, of the intrigues of the devil, following the general trend. Okay. Um. The general trend, you know, like the thing of the day, the thing that people have decided that is trending on Twitter or whatever um, in the moment, okay? And this thing, now with the social media, the general trend is literally every day there could be a different general trend, okay? Back, back a long time ago, maybe the general trend, it would be like a decade-long thing with the general trend where people eventually figured out what is the general trend and began to do it, you know? And, you know, it could have been something that started 10 years ago and you're finally hearing about it now. You know, like they used to say that everything in Egypt is like 50 years behind the U.S., right? And that's not the case now. Like, it, I think it's like one year behind or something now. Like, it's, it's almost the same exact time be because of the social media, right? So the general trend, you know, and actually I, on my news feed, like when I'm, when I'm reading the news, I always see these articles that are like some situation happened, okay, and the person is asking the internet um, whether what they did was right or wrong. 
and then everybody like chimes in oh yeah that was right or this person says you were this was wrong based on what like is if the way that we get as a society if the way that we get our understanding of right and wrong and the principles that we live by is see is just based on a vote you know let me present my situation everybody gives me their input and whatever is the majority then you know that's what i do or at least i feel good or bad about my decision that i made based on what everybody says right that's the way that our society is now right it's just based on the majority the general trend and so if we go with the general trend we are constantly exhausted because the general trend keeps changing the general trend like like to chase after trying to please and trying to fit in with you know everything that's happening like going back to like the transgenderism you know it's like you heard about like these alternate pronouns like z and i, I don't even know how to pronounce them you know or, or or what situation you would use them right but but the idea that there are places now in universities where they impose that on their students like a student goes to this university and suddenly they are required to start using these pronouns that nobody heard of before and it is treated as though like unless you do this you are like backwards and you are you know like bigoted and you know like like the general trend and the general trend nowadays is pushed on you you know it's not just let me ask what it is no it's forced upon you okay you have a question yeah 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 So so this kind of stuff, and this is just one example, but there's so many things in our society that is like this now, where, where people's values and morals are just based on what other people's values and morals happen to be in the moment, right? And they're not attached to anything, right? They're attached to what makes me feel good and, and have purpose right now, right? And this is postmodernism, right? The, the idea of postmodernism is everybody has their own truth. Actually, I, I watched this documentary called What is a Woman? I don't know, maybe some of you have heard of it. It's by this man. His name is Matt Walsh. Okay, In this documentary, this man asks the simple question to all of these different experts and PhDs and therapists. and He goes to them and he says, what is a woman? And you realize that no one can answer the question. right? Literally not a single person could answer the question because the question is so loaded right what is a woman you would think it's such a simple thing right but because no everybody wants to have a different belief and again the trend now is if you want to be trendy if you want to be cool if you want to be like if you don't want to get canceled okay is you have to be very politically correct with the way you answer this question and so nobody is giving an answer right um my, my favorite part of it is he stopped this person on the street and and he's he asked them what is a woman and, and he said i can't answer the question because i'm not a woman so then he asked him um do you know what a cat is and he said yeah and he said are you a cat and he realized in that moment like the fallacy right like he knows what a cat is even though he's not a cat he just walked away he didn't even try to answer right so the the general trend is so destructive right we cannot assume that just because a lot of people believe something then it is rooted in truth or that it is beneficial, you know, and, and it is, again, it is presented in a way like this is enlightenment, 
right? This is our enlightened society that has gone past the traditional and outdated um, standards of understanding sexuality, um, men and women. No, no, we are much more enlightened now. We are very fluid in everything that we do. There was another actress who at some point, she changed her um, pronouns to like they and them. And then just like a week ago, she added she and her again with the they and them, right? Like, like even people, like they don't even stick to what they choose. Like it's very fluid. Like, and if you don't accept this, and you don't participate in this, and you don't accommodate this, then you are the one who is considered to be, you know, uh, a, a bigot, right? You are the one who is, who is, you know, called transphobic, you know, as though we're afraid of transgenderism, and they call it transphobic. So, so this is the trend. So we have to be very, very careful with what is being presented. If something is being presented, I can't just accept it, right? This is one of the attacks that the devil is using against our society and very much against young people because the young people, they are much more likely to fall into this because they want to be accepted, right? Maybe someone who is older already has established for themselves what is my value system? How do I you know, identify myself? Not, not as a, like a sexual identity, but how do I identify who I am as a person? You know, what makes me who I am? Whereas a young person maybe is still trying to discover this. And so anytime somebody comes and tells them, hey, you want to be accepted? You want to be on the right side of history? You want to do this? Here, this is what you have to do. They're much more likely to, to adopt such a system, right? So we have to be very careful because this is something definitely attacking the church, attacking younger people, and some as older as well, and being forced on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There is a difference between um, using the pronouns of a person that they have said, I want you to call me a certain way, versus accepting that that is right behavior, right? You know, like when you're dealing with a person who is sick, okay, you deal with them in a different way because of their sickness, right? Like let's say you're s you speak to someone who's mentally ill, right? And they, they have all kinds of fascinations and delusions and hallucinations and so on. In order for you not to completely shut them down, you might engage with them with those things that they are saying, that they see and they hear and ask them questions about it and whatever. But that doesn't mean that you accept that what they're experiencing is actually happening, right? So there is a difference between we saying that we accept this as reality and that we accept that this is the right thing to do and that all of us should be doing this versus if there is like a specific person and actually, somebody asked His Grace Bishop Yusuf this question. You know, I, I think it was, I don't remember if the context was like in a classroom or something where there was a student who, again, they, they said, I want you to call me such and such. And then the teacher is like, well, what do I do, right? And he said, call them what they want to be called, right? You know, 
not calling them what they want to be called is not fixing the problem. You know, like, yeah, maybe for us it's awkward and difficult and, and strange and hard to remember even. Um, but doing so doesn't change anything, right? What changes something is if we actually acknowledge and believe that this is good, and now I also, like, begin to do, again, like, you might have a situation where you are forced to against your will. Somebody was telling me, actually, um, real quick, somebody was telling me uh, a story about how she was in a, um, like, doing this, like, sensitivity training for work, and so you watch this video, um, and then you have to, like, answer questions about it. So in the video, there is this transgender person, and they're having, like, this office interaction, okay, with other people in the office. And some people are uncomfortable with this person. Some people are supportive. And the person comes and says, I want you to call me they and them, okay? Then in the, you know, in, in the, uh, the questions that are being asked, it's very interesting. So it said, how do you feel toward this person? And the choices were comfortable and uncomfortable. Those were the choices. And so she put, I feel uncomfortable. And I said, this is incorrect. The correct answer is that you feel comfortable. And it wouldn't allow her to continue the test until she put comfortable. Right? W so what they are after is not just call me what, what I want to be called. You know, that's not what they're after. What they want is to re-engineer all of society so that they are accepting, welcoming, supportive, celebrating this. And that's the thing we have to resist. You know, like somebody comes to me and says, my name is XYZ. What am I going to call them? I'll call you XYZ. That's what you told me your name was. You know, I don't need proof that that's your name. But don't come and tell me that I have to completely change my understanding of, of you know, a binary system of sexuality, which is based on the scripture and what God created, based on what you happen to think, you know, based on your feelings in the moment, right? And that's where we draw the line. And we say, no, I cannot accept, I'm, I'm, I'm not changing what I believe about reality because of what you are saying. You want me to call you whatever? Okay, I'll call you that. But that doesn't mean that I accept that that's a reality. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's wrong to do so. I think this is. This goes, you know, kind of like where we had. I mean, the, the legal aspect is one thing, okay. As far as it being wrong or right, it's not wrong. Like, it's, it's more of a question of what is the best approach to engage with a person who's living in sin, you know? Like, uh, okay, you have someone who's living out of wedlock. That's the other thing is we tend to make certain sins different than others, okay? So you have a person, like, who's living with his girlfriend, okay? It's sin. In the eyes of God, it's sin. It's just as much sin, okay? So how do I deal with that person, you know, like— Every time I see them, I'm not like, you are living in sin. You should not li be living in, you know. No, we probably just treat them like normal people, right? That doesn't mean that we don't, that doesn't mean that we accept their lifestyle. doesn't mean. But when it comes to interacting with them, we're not constantly pointing it out again and again and again. 
it's also a there is a difference between people who have been deceived to believe this doctrine versus the people who are engineering the doctrine. Like if you're talking to a person who knows very well the truth, but for political reasons or for power reasons or for whatever reasons, they are spreading lies like false teachers, like even in the scripture, the way that, that the scripture dealt with false teachers was very different than people who accepted the false teaching and were deceived by it. So there are people who are deceived. You know, they have uh, insecurities, they have confusion, they have a lack of purpose, they have whatever, right? And they're very susceptible to um, believing this and people are telling them this is true and it's everywhere and it's celebrated. And so such a person is deceived. And when you go to that person and you tell them, hey, the whole belief system that you are basing this off of, that you are like defining yourself by is completely false. They might not accept it and they'll be hurt by it. And maybe that's not the way to win them to the truth, right? But if you go to someone who is like the architect of the falsehood, you know, you can be much more direct with that person because they are actively spreading lies and they are the ones who are like infecting everybody else right it's not it's not the same dynamic so um it's definitely a difficult problem right that we as a church are having to deal with and and how do we engage in the society with this but as i said it's not the first sin that people commit it's not the first sin that is accepted as being normal like i said like living out of wedlock is extremely normal now right most people expect that at some point people are living together outside of wedlock like in most cases now like in many many cases so the fact that the sin is happening is not in of itself new it's more about the acceptance of it as a as an as a as a lifestyle that we acknowledge and we celebrate with them yeah but but which is which is true okay but i think it goes back again to if you if you didn't do it what are the what are the ramifications of if you didn't do it is it going to cause a constant conflict and fight you know like like is it is it going to result in um a breakdown of the whole situation like okay maybe maybe you don't want to have any relationship with that person and so you're just going to say what you want to say and I don't have a relationship with you at that point because they're not going to accept it. But if you're in a situation like a work environment, you might be put in a situation where you cannot where you don't have a choice. And so it's either I'm going to choose to leave this place, you know, but nowadays it's becoming so you know everywhere, right? So again, but I will say just because we have to go, but it will come. There will come a time. And I'm not saying the pronouns is the thing that we should like you know, that's like the <laughs> we plant our flag and like that's it. But there will come a time, and it's prophesied in the book of Revelation when we speak about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is something that unless the Christians, I if the Christians do not accept it, they will have no place in society. Because it says they will not be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast on their forehead. Which means what? There is something that there will be a decision that each of us has to make at some point, and we don't know exactly what it is. There will be a decision where we say, in order for me to remain faithful to God and not to live in sin, I have to make a decision 
that will completely alter my life, okay? This is, it is coming, right? And it is accelerating. When it will happen, of course, we don't know. But we have to put in our minds, whether it's the pronoun thing or not, I'm not saying that it is, but it, it will get to the point where, kind of like where um, the three young youth, you know, where, where Nebuchadnezzar told them bow before the idol, and they, they had a choice, yes or no. If I say yes, then I preserve my position, I preserve my life, I and even though in my heart maybe I reject it, but from the outside I bow, right? But if I say no, I lose everything, right? And they chose no, right? And they were thrown in the furnace. Of course, God saved them. But as a church and as individuals, we are very fast approaching that time where we cannot just pretend that we are going to go with the flow uh, because we don't want to lose things. No, at some point, we're going to have to lose. Like at some point, we are going to have to lose. Um, and it's just a matter of time, I think, before we get there, the way things are going. Yeah. Sorry to end on that note. But <laughs> <laughs> Glory be to God forever, man. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O God, for this day. We ask that you, O Lord, give us wisdom and discernment and protect us, O Lord, from all the things that are in the world and all the attacks of the enemy that he seeks to destroy us and to harm us. We pray, O Lord, that you give us strength and you give us, O Lord, a boldness in our faith so that we do not give in but cling to you, O Lord, and trust that you are with us at all times and we live our lives, O Lord, for you, even if it means making personal sacrifices. Give us, O Lord, a discernment to know how we should respond to each one, how we should deal with every situation uh, that, we are, that we are being put in. We ask, O Lord, that you give us joy in our hearts and you make our eyes always to be fixed on heaven. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.